my wife loves flowers. Now, I like flowers. I can't say that I necessarily love flowers, but I like flowers. They are beautiful, beautiful creations of God that he's given us to brighten our life and uh, to, to point to his creative ability. Uh, I've noticed my wife uh, at times has grown roses. Uh, we have rose bushes at the house. And I've, I've noticed that depending on perhaps the time of day or the, the season of the year, we've watched those roses as at times those roses open up and then you know this, if you have many flowers or have dealt with flowers or gardening, and there are times when those flowers close. And you know the truth is, sometimes in life, our spirit is like a flower. Our spirit has a tendency either to be opened up and to open up, or our spirit has a tendency to close. I know this. I have watched family members, my wife. I've watched my boys who I, you know, we, and you've watched your spouse and your children. I've watched my dear co-workers, the pastoral staff, school teachers here, our faculty. I've watched our secretarial uh, staff. I've watched our custodial staff at times. Uh, I've watched church members who in the midst of harshness, or negativity, I've watched their spirit close. I've watched teenagers and children in the midst of harshness or a, a, a threatening tone. I've watched them close their spirit. And so let's talk about tonight this issue because I know this ladies and gentlemen if we're honest we have to be honest enough to say that there are times in our lives when we are tempted to close our spirit off it's interesting every interpersonal relationship has the potential to cause us to close our spirit to one degree or another towards someone Maybe the husband is tempted to close his spirit off to his wife. The wife is tempted to close her spirit off to her husband. The parents tempted even at times when the child has become unruly or rebellious or hurtful in their actions and attitude. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've had to fight the tendency at times to close my spirit off to my children. And I know I've seen them close their spirit off to me. Co-workers are tempted at times to close their spirit off to one another. Employers have a tendency to, uh, through sometimes just carelessness or a casual approach to how they treat their employees, and they watch their employee close their spirit off. I've seen church members close their spirit. Uh, extended family, friends, neighbors, a friend to friend, we have the tendency, if we're offended or hurt by something, how easy it is for us to close our spirit. And tonight, I want us just to talk briefly from Scripture how to keep your spirit open when it wants to close. <laughs> when that flower wants to close up, how do you open it up? And that spirit remain alive 
joyful and open and relational and connected. Relationship expert Gary Smalley said this, the single most prevalent cause for disharmony in the home and in any other interpersonal relationship, the single greatest threat, the greatest cause is a closed spirit. Listen to what Scripture says. Psalm 109, verse 22. David said, For I am poor and needy. And here it is. And my heart is wounded. My heart, literally in the Hebrew, is punctured. It's been bored through with something. My, 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 my heart is wounded within me, he said. Something has hurt me. Could have been someone's words. It might have been the attack by Saul. It could have been when he had family members that were trying to usurp the throne. It could have been in the midst of false accusation. But David said, I want you to know, even though I'm the, I'm the sweet psalmist of Israel, I'm the shepherd king, I'm the giant killer, I want you to know I'm just a real person just like you. And there are times when my heart is wounded. It's been pierced. It's been punctured. You ever feel like your heart's punctured? You ever feel like that your spirit's been crushed by the words of another, the actions of another, the carelessness of another? Being overlooked by someone, being dismissed by someone, being hurt by someone? Gracious day, gang. Yes, you understand what that is and so do I. I've been hurt, you've been hurt, and we've hurt others. I've hurt others. You've hurt others. Sometimes not even intentionally. It just happens. It happens in life, and we feel like David did. Our hearts are wounded. It's interesting what Proverbs 18, 14 says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. In other words, uh, we've seen people go through horrific physical maladies, and yet they, 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 they press on and persevere and make it through to the other side, and they bear up under in, uh, in, in unimaginable difficulty and strain. But a wounded spirit... Who can bear that? A, 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 a wounded or a smitten spirit, Adam Clark said, like a dagger into the soul. Like someone takes a knife or a hatchet or a dagger or a spear and just bam! It cuts right into your spirit, right into your soul. And the wise man Solomon said, I've seen a lot of people bear a lot of things, but when it comes to a crushed, broken spirit, that may be the worst thing to bear of all. There's an interesting passage, three chapters, Second uh, Samuel 13, 14, and 15. I want you to listen very carefully. To me, this details the breakdown in the relationship between King David and Absalom, his son. It began when David did not appropriately, listen carefully, he didn't appropriately deal with the sin of Amnon when Amnon assaulted and raped Tamar. It's interesting, Amnon was Tamar's half-brother, but Absalom was Tamar's full brother, full-blooded. 
And after Amnon raped and assaulted and then discarded Tamar, treated her like garbage, trash, get away from here. She then went and lived with Absalom for two full years. She lived in his home in a state of shock and trauma and post-traumatic stress. It's interesting, chapter 13, verse 20, says that she lived there desolate. She remained desolate. That, that, that word in the Hebrew literally means stunned or numb. Her spirit was closed and wounded, but it not only closed her spirit, it affected Absalom as well. Two years after the rape, Absalom ended up murdering Amnon. And Amnon, uh, Absalom flees to Geshur where his maternal grandfather was the king. And Absalom lived there for three years. Then he's finally allowed to come back to the kingdom, but David refuses to see his face for another two years after his return. So get this, gang. A full seven years pass from the offense and the revolt and the rebellion in the kingdom. And in those seven years, something happened in the spirit of Absalom. It closed toward David. And when David finally decided to act and reconcile, it was too late. Absalom's spirit was already closed. A closed spirit is in contrast to an open spirit of friendliness, social warmth, genuine kindness. It's a spirit and disposition that is aver adverse and hostile and negative towards someone for a particular reason. There are many causes of a closed spirit. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's as simple as a misinterpretation of words. <laughs> I don't understand. I didn't understand, but I, I misunderstood something. And, and I, built, uh, I, I, I built an argument in my mind against someone because of a misunderstanding. Sometimes I, it's, 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 it's due to a conflict over actions or intentions or motives that we think we know. Could be a disagreement over an issue, a personality clash, a personal offense that has occurred to you. So can I share tonight as we close and, and as we deal with this specifically, four truths that can help us keep our spirit open? I say first of all, may God help us to make a right relationship with others the priority that Jesus wants it to be. Make a right relationship with others the priority that God makes it. Remember John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus said a new commandment, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, he said, shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Why is it so important that we are rightly related to one another? Have you ever thought about that? Our relationship with one another is supposed to be an accurate and proper reflection of our relationship with God. Our relationship with God could be affected 
by a negative relationship with others. How many times have we heard it and said it, that if we're not right with one another, ladies and gentlemen, we can't be right with God, brothers and sisters. The Scripture teaches so much on the need and the way for us to be properly related to one another. And it boils down to this concept of properly loving one another. Sixteen different times in the New Testament we're commanded to love one another. There are 59 total verses in the New Testament that are known as the one another verses. Over 25% deal with showing biblical love to one another. And dear friend, I'm afraid there are times when I don't, I don't prioritize that relationship like God wants me to. And so I easily close my spirit off. So make a right relationship with others a priority. Statement number two. Take a PSA. <laughs> you say, what's a PSA? Take a personal spirit <laughs> analysis. In other words, evaluate your own spirit right now toward whoever. How is it that a closed spirit is manifested? Sometimes it's manifested in tuning someone out when they're talking. Sometimes it's manifested by bristling our spirit towards them. Maybe it's manifested in a cold disposition. Maybe a stoic countenance. I've seen that. You have too. I've seen that while I've been preaching. <laughs> Sometimes it's a hostile or unfriendly tone of voice. Man, we, you can just pick up on it and you're like, man, what's wrong with them? I've seen it sometimes and I've done it. I've walked away when someone, when that person approaches and comes toward me. I've just turned and walked away. I've already closed my spirit toward them. I don't want to see them, hear them, have anything to do with them, shake their hand, and so booyah, we turn and walk away. Sometimes we manifest the closed spirit through the silent treatment. I know you wives and husbands don't ever do that to one another, right? Do you know, sometimes we manifest this when we actually change our personality and we manifest coldness when that person's around us, we kind of clam up. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit right now, as I'm talking on the outside, He's speaking on the inside, and maybe there's somebody that you, you have begun to assume the worst about them. You disesteem them. You disrespect them in front of other people intentionally just because your spirit is closed toward them. Would you right now take a PSA, a personal spirit analysis? Would you right now by faith and in obedience to God, would you elevate the importance of loving one another? And then number three, the third step, be known as a person of forbearance. Listen to what Scripture says. This beautiful passage, Philippians 4, 5. Let your moderation, stop right there. Let your forbearance, as Adam Clark said, your mildness, your patience, your gentleness, your unwillingness to fight, let that be known unto all men. Because the Lord is at hand. It's, it's, it's meekness in the face of provocation. 
It's, 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 it's a readiness to forgive injuries, he said. It's a, it's a sweetness of disposition. And God said, I want your sweetness, your meekness, your readiness to forgive. I want that to be obvious and known to all people because the Lord is at hand. Now that means that the, it could be that the Lord is coming back quickly, and He is. And when He comes back, He doesn't want to find us at odds with one another. But it also could mean, and I know this is true, that God is right here with us. And can I tell you what, what, what quenches God's Spirit, what grieves God's heart and God's Spirit, and causes God not to manifest His presence? It is when we have a grudge and hostility toward one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And old dear friend, that's so hurtful to God. So grievous to His Spirit. Can we just decide tonight that as Christians we will hold tightly to our convictions, but we will hold loosely to our preferences? We all have the tendency, like we talked about last week, to claim our rights. But in reality, a right is something we deserve. And truthfully, as believers, what rights do we really have? What do we really deserve as a Christian? Well, you know the answer, gang. The only right I have is the right to go to hell. That's the only thing I deserve is judgment and wrath from God. And anything short of that is grace and mercy and a sign of God's gentleness toward me. Our culture now more than ever doesn't just say to, ha to, to have... Uh, an opinion about something. It, 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 our culture says, no, now everybody needs to voice your opinion about everything. And it says that your opinion and my opinion is the only one that matters and that everybody else that differs from us is wrong. And friend, can I say the only one who really can say that is God? And yet we're so prone to treat every issue in every situation, and every little thing like an Alamo and a hill on which to die. We treat it like it's the end all, uh, life and death, most important issue. And most of those things are not. We've somehow lost our ability to discern the important from the non-important, the essential from the non-essential, the non-negotiable from the negotiable, and conviction from preference. There are some fights and issues and discussions and disagreements that I simply just need to let go and yield. Not every issue necessitates a funeral, a fuss, or even a fight. And gang, if I can't clearly find it in the book, then chances are it's just a preference or an opinion that is no more important than the next person's. And therefore, is inconsequential in the broader discussion. And that applies at home work, at church, on the ball field, on the ball court, and many other realms where we've allowed insignificant differences of opinion to affect our attitude towards other good brothers and sisters just because we may differ on something. I'm not talking about maintaining a proper biblical approach to authority within the family. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about uh, 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 our view of authority with the government, the church, the school setting. What I am referring to is interpersonal relationships that become strained and closed due simply to non-essential issues.
God says you be known as a person of forbearance. Let it go. He says, I want you to evaluate your, evaluate your attitude. He says, I, I want you to make sure that you prioritize loving one another just as I do. And then I close with this, ladies and gentlemen. The fourth step. Let the Holy Spirit take charge of your spirit. And may I let Him take charge of mine. Galatians 5, and 23, the evidence, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness, faith. That means I believe the best in you. It's meekness, it's temperate self-control. Against such there is no law or condemnation. That's the evidence of the Spirit. You know what I've learned? That through the help of God, I can control how I choose to respond to somebody. You control how you choose to respond to somebody or to a certain situation. And biblical self-control, it begins with spirit control. And spirit control begins with Holy Spirit control. And so tonight as we close, I'm going to invite you to join with me and to pray specifically along these lines that the Holy Spirit has dealt with us, but pray that God would control us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. That we will keep our spirit open to one another in the name of Jesus. Let's pray together tonight. Our Father, in the name of Christ, we come before your throne. Thank you for your goodness, and I ask you to help me, Lord Jesus. I so often am prone and tempted to close my spirit. God, help me. Oh, you have graced my life with so many precious family members, starting with my dear bride and the boys and my siblings. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ here at church, my co-laborers and co-workers, how awesome you are to me, Lord. When the enemy wants us to be wrong with one another, and we can't be wrong with each other and right with you. Help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.